Today's episode of Down to Dunk is brought to you by Robinhood. With Robinhood, you can invest in stocks, options, and ETFs right from your phone. You can even spend and earn interest on uninvested cash. And with fractional shares, you can buy stocks in any amount, including companies like Apple, Amazon, and Tesla, for as little as $1. And that's with no commission fees or account minimums. So whether you're new to investing and ready to learn or just looking for a better experience, stop waiting and join the 10 million Robinhood users. Listeners can get started with a free stock by going to dunks.robinhood.com. That's dunks.robinhood.com. All investments involve risk. This is not an investment advice, a recommendation, or a solicitation of any security. Other fees may apply. Visit rbnhd.co forward slash fees. The free stock program is subject to certain limitations. Annual percentage yield on uninvested cash is paid by program banks and is variable. Robinhood Financial is not a bank. I'm Deontay Burton, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Hamadou Diallo. Hey, I'm Danilo Gallinari. I'm Chris Paul, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Luke Dort, and I'm down to Dort. What's Dort? I, I'm not going to lie. I don't know what that was. In English, bro. I'm Darius Baisley, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Shake Gilchrist Alexander. I'm Steven Adams. I'm Andre Robertson, and I'm down to dunk. Yeah. On you. Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schlecht. We are part of the Athletic Podcast Network. With me today is my good friend, Alex Spears. Alex, what's up? Good morning. Good morning. Um, some some big stuff going on in the NBA world. Um, I, th- I think everybody's still just kind of reeling from the death of Kobe Bryant and processing and lots of stories have been shared. I continue to scroll through my Twitter feed and just continue to cry because there's so many, I didn't realize how many people were connected to Kobe in like pretty profound ways. Like the Jimmy Fallon, did you watch Jimmy Fallon's? Uh, no, I hadn't watched that one yet. Man, cried. It's just, it's just really, you just didn't know how many people he impacted, um, especially people with a voice that he impacted. And, um, you know, I've, the NBA continues to try to honor him in ways players are giving up their numbers if they have either eight or 24. Um, it's just, it's cool to see the reaction, but it's still just shocking, you know, that that, that happened. Yeah, and I, I for me, like, it's kind of been overwhelming in a sense because, you know, Monday morning when I woke up, I opened my podcast feed and instantly there's like 10 hours of Kobe content just available for me. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't really know what to do. And then I go click over to The Athletic and there's like 15 articles yep. all about Kobe to read. And uh, I was just thinking about like the difference of this happening in 2020 versus like something like this happening even in like 2005 mm-hmm. where we didn't have social media. You know, we didn't have podcasts back then really. Yep. And there's just so much there's so many more ways to consume this kind of material i don't even want to call it content because i feel like that cheapens it but like these remembrances there's so many more ways to consume it, it as a as a like nba fan it's almost overwhelming mm-hmm. i mean nothing has ever happened like this where every single person on my twitter timeline and i don't even follow that many people but every single person is tweeting about the exact same thing mm-hmm. um and so yeah it's 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 been tough and it's going to continue to be tough. Um, one aspect of it though, that I just wanted to bring up, I was thinking about it last night was how Kobe's death kind of reflects on the fact of how young the NBA is as a league. Um, we really haven't had to deal with death all that much as a, as a fan base, you know, compared to other sports. I like last night I went on and I looked at Bill Simmons, uh, pyramid, you know, from his book, Mm Mm-hmm. And I was just looking at like the top 25 guys of all time. Mm-hmm. These are the best 25 guys in this entire history of this sport. And only two of them had died. Like it was wow. Wilt Chamberlain and Moses Malone. Everyone else is still alive. Like even Bob Cousy at 91 is still alive. <laughs> and a lot of these guys aren't just alive, but they're like in our lives all the time. Yeah. You know, I was thinking about like, I see Bill Russell like twice a year, you know, he's just become yeah. this like 
fixture. He's part of the NBA experience. You see, you see Bill Russell twice a year. And this is a guy who played like way back in the sixties, you know? So all of the legends in this entire sport or like the vast majority of them are not just still alive, but still a part of our lives. And so that, I think that's another factor of why this was just such a huge momentous event um, because we just haven't dealt with death as a league and as fans of this league. Mm-hmm. Um, I was thinking about like baseball. Like I, I don't know anything about like Joe DiMaggio and Mickey Mantle, like what it was like, like what they were like as people, right. you know, or Babe Ruth, you know, like I don't know anything about those guys. And I guess you could say like the NFL is kind of similar. It's young, but they're old guys. I feel like when you talk about like retired NFL players, you're usually talking about horrible things like CTE right. and all the brain mm-hmm. damage. Mm-hmm. Whereas a lot of these NBA legends, you know, Dr. J, we see him at the dunk contest. It's awesome. Yep. Seems like a really cool old guy. You know? Yeah. You kind um, of like enter this like NBA fraternity of sorts right? where you're seeing, yeah, you you do see all the legends. It's rare that there's one that you don't see or at least have people talk to or you hear about. The best of all time. You're right. <laughs> that list you get to, you do get to hear from almost all of them, you know, almost every year. Which, and you know, to not have Kobe is, um, it's just crazy. It's just crazy to think about. And it's one of those moments where, like, I listen to some non-sports podcasts, like some NPR podcasts, and it's, it's like one of those rare times where like they intersect. You know, usually it's never like. N- the NBA podcast I listen to and the NPR podcast I listen to usually never intersect, but um, it's just one of those rare times where he was so impactful that they did. Yeah, and it, it was so I, I ended up like I waited a day and then started listening to some of the podcasts and like even I, the first one I listened to was the Low Post, yeah, um, which I thought was really good. Um, but just listening to Zach Lowe, like say like everything's changed, like nothing's ever going to be the same in the NBA, mm-hmm. um, which is such a big statement to say. And yet I think he's right. Like this is, this is going to hang over the league for a long, long time. Yeah. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see how the league responds in terms of, you know, what they do to memorialize him and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No question. Hey, sports fans. I have a daily sports podcast. I want to tell you about from Wondery and the athletic it's called the lead. Every weekday morning, The Lead brings you a deep dive into the biggest sports stories of the day from the Athletics' all-star team of local and national sports reporters. Stories like, where did the 49ers' new star running back, Raheem Mossert, come from? Or, what can Zion Williamson do for the Pelicans? So if you're looking for the full story behind last night's scores and today's hot takes, make sure that you subscribe to The Lead from Wondery and The Athletic. Uh, All-star reserves will be announced tomorrow night on TNT. Um, you think Chris Paul's going to make it? I, I do. Yes. I, I've been feeling more and more confident as I've read more and more and listened to more and more all-star reserves. Like the, uh, the no dunks guys, I listened to them yesterday. They all had them on. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I actually don't know if I've read one yet where he isn't on. I'm sure there's ones out there. Yeah. I don't know that I've heard anybody. I think Howard Beck, you know, several weeks ago was the only one that I've heard say that he did not have Chris Paul in and then began to understand the actual case for Chris Paul as Zach started to <laughs> talk about it. But. Yeah, so it feels like he has a pretty good shot right now, which would be awesome. I mean, I was not anticipating the Thunder keeping up their all-star streak. Yeah, no kidding. It's very strange. It feels very strange. Does anyone care about that? Do we have like the longest all-star streak or anything? I feel like we'd have we have to be right at the top. I mean, if the Spurs one ends, like a lot of people think it will, then oh, this the Spurs have been going for that whole time. God, we've been watching Lamarcus every year in the All-Star game. <laughs> I think they've been going since '97. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Okay. Well, we got a ways to go then. Yeah, but they may have the longest like streak, like active streak. Yeah, Chris Paul gets it, but yeah, the Spurs, <laughs> the Spurs is just crazy. I mean, you had Tim Duncan all those years, and Tony Parker, and then you had Kawhi, and then DeRozan, and and Aldridge, and the people. They just keep making it. They just keep getting in. 
Man, uh, I was the no dunks and hearing Lee choose DeRozan. Oh, it's just like, called. <laughs> Everybody's like, okay, why are you doing this? What is this for? But uh, you want to go through uh, our all star reserve picks? Sure. I sent you my list. So I'm assuming we have, it'd be crazy if we had none of the same. <laughs> None, not one. I disagreed with every pick of yours. But I have a feeling we had a lot the same. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Were we were we exactly the same? Not exactly. That would be cool too. Not exactly the same. The so I'll, we can go. I'll go through the Eastern Conference first, and then we can go through the West. Uh, so Simmons, Butler, Middleton, and Demonis Sabonis were. Who I had locked in is that is that the same as yours? Uh, so the only one you didn't say was Bam. Yeah, I don't have Bam. I don't have him as a lock, just because I I don't. It feels weird locking two Heat Heat guys. Um, I guess, but I I don't know. I I think, and maybe I'm biased. He's he is on my fantasy team. You know, <laughs> he's he's really helping me turn it around right now. He's so impressive. I mean, I I've watched him some, and then I watched him in person against the Thunder um, a week and a half ago, whatever that was. And he, there was just not a lot you could do to stop him, and and he can really do anything. I mean, he he can defend out on the perimeter, he can pass, he can get to the bucket. If he learns to shoot, like he's, I mean, that's the superstar type player. I mean, legitimately. Yeah. And it was, it's crazy that we both locked in Sabonis. I mean, I think he's deserving. Um, yeah. But the fact that he's gotten to that point in his career where we're not even really having a conversation about it, um, <laughs> you know, in comparison to Bam, I think his stats are just like a little bit better across mm-hmm. the board. Um, and he is – and that's been a really impressive team. Yeah. Just the fact that they've kept it together without Oladipo, who I think is coming back tonight. Is that tonight? 29th. Oh, yeah. That I think is tonight. So. Yeah. Uh, and he's kept it together with, you know, Brogdon being out a lot. So I definitely think Sabonis needs to get in. Um, and bam, if you look at his stats, like he's a little bit less than Sabonis pretty much across the board. But I just think he's been so important for that heat team who it turns out is like one of the best teams in the East. So I felt comfortable locking him in, but I, I understand he would definitely be like the, the fringiest of the locks. Yeah. No, I think that makes sense. I still think Jimmy Butler could be labeled as a guard and should have been starting the All-Star game. He's been that I good. would definitely agree with that. Do you think Trey Young would have made it from the coaches if he hadn't gotten voted in? Oh, boy. Maybe not. I know. I kind of think he wouldn't either. There's enough guys that you can make an argument for over him. Right. For the reserves. But I'm glad yeah, he made I it. I'm glad he made it. I like Trey Young. I think he's really good. And it's not all his fault that the Hawks are so terrible. <laughs> it's not. But they were so bad against the Thunder the Dude. other night. They just don't compete. They don't. Like on defense especially. Oh. this. I mean, it's as if they had not heard of it. There were moments where that game felt like an all-star game. Like we were just... Running up and down the court, getting our shot, running back. I just love Gall- the look on Gallo's face after Trey Young was guarding him. He's just like, is this real? Is this happening? Do we know? <laughs> Clock's running, guys. <laughs> was, um, okay, so who were you, so you had three final slots to fill. Yes. If you, if you had four locks, so who were your final slots? I did have Bam in there because he's been that good. Uh, Kyle Lowry, he kind of gets the Chris Paul spot for the East. Where he his stats aren't overwhelming, and in fact, like if you look at his stats, you if you just went by stats alone, you could argue other players in his place. But he's been really important to one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference. Uh, and then I had Jalen Brown. Okay, wow, interesting, interesting. So I I went Lowry as well, and similar to you, you know, I I hadn't really looked at his stats, and so. I had gone into this whole process like thinking like, oh, Lowry's going to be a lock for me. Like he's been so important to that team and they had Pascal out for so long and then you had Gasol out 
and they still like played really well over that period and stayed in the hunt. And then you go look at his stats and it's like, wow, he's having one of the worst shooting seasons of his career. (laughs) Doesn't look that great. Like I almost wondered if I could make a case for Fred Van Vliet, but that was a little too out there for me. (laughs) Um, But I I still think that he deserved it. Um, He plays a ton of minutes when he does play. So I do think he's hugely valuable for that reason. Mm -hmm. And then I ended up going Tatum over Brown. And I'll be honest, the only reason I did was just looking at some of these stats that are out there, like the 538 Raptor stat and the ESPN RPM, like Jason Tatum, for whatever reason, is very high in all of these stats, Mm -hmm. like top 15 player in the league, Um, whereas Jalen Brown isn't. Of course, I have no idea how to explain that because I'm not watching a ton of uh, Celtics game. If you just look at their raw numbers, they're basically the same player. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so I went I went with Tatum for that reason. I also considered Bradley Beal. I didn't really consider Zach Levine. Yeah, I I, I didn't either. I should or if I'm just biased against them. I think he's just kind of a hateable guy, right? Yeah, I think he might be, and I feel bad. I know because it because it's like, does he really not have, or does he have not have like a, a, a equivalent case to Bradley Beal? I, <laughs> I know because why like in my head, like there's no way that I would choose Zach Levine over Bradley Beal, but. Why? <laughs> why? Yeah, what? They're both terrible teams. What is, what is that based on? <clears throat> uh, so, yeah, so it did feel comfortable out of those guys choosing between the Celtics players. And the Celtics have been really good, and, you know, it's not crazy for them to have two all-stars. No, I don't think so. Brown has just been really steady for them, and he's made a leap, like a pretty significant leap. Because when he got that contract this summer, a lot of people were like, why are they paying Jalen Brown? Like, what What did he do to deserve that? And now it's like, whoa, that's a great contract for Jalen Brown. Uh, and he's just, he really has been that good for them this season. He can be a go-to scorer. He can defend almost anybody. Uh, he's been really, really good for them. Yeah, I remember I was reading some Kings fans who were uh, talking about how bad Jalen Brown's contract was in comparison to Buddy Heald. That feels a lot <laughs> different now. <laughs> Man, the Kings. And the Kings, dude. Hey, they did have 17 points. 17 point comeback in like the last, I forget what it was. Was it two minutes? It was, I think it was even a little under two minutes. That is a horrible loss. Talk about another terrible team we got to watch with the uh, Wolves. Jeez, I know. I, I We can go to the West, but I, like, man, Towns, like his stats and everything, it's like, okay, like, but him missing as many games as he did and then just how bad they've been. I mean, I remember the beginning of the season. Remember when Towns and Embiid got into it and got into a fight and Town like Towns was like acting like he was big stuff because they were like seven and four or whatever. Yeah. And now there's like they have no hope of making the playoffs. I mean, no hope. I mean, it's just, and he he, he looked really uh, miffed and peeved in his post game interview. He was very uh, mad. I watched that yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, if you're the Timberwolves, I guess the the best case scenario now is that you get some point guard in the draft. That's good. That you pick the right one. I don't know which one is the right one, but you just gotta hope that you pick the right one, and that you can have a point guard of the future to pair with Towns. And then you also just pray that you can get somebody to take Andrew Wiggins. Yeah, that's going to be tough. We're going to talk about the uh, dunked on mock uh, trade deadline a little bit later. But oh, okay, th- there was definitely some trying to get rid of Wiggins and it wasn't working. <laughs> that sounds so sad. Uh, okay, locks in the Western Conference for me. I have Gobert, which my computer would not let me type Gobert. And so it just says Robert right here. (laughs) Uh, Nicole Jokic, Damian Lillard, and Chris Paul. Okay. Okay. Wow, as a lock, Andrew. I just think the Thunder have been... (laughs) I'm a huge homer, number one. Number two, I feel like the Thunder have been a huge part of the storyline this season for the league. For us. No, I mean, like, this team was not supposed to do anything. And, like, people have talked about the Thunder quite a bit. Like, oh, 
Well, the Thunder are like sneaking in here. Like, what are the like the Thunder are gonna make the playoffs? I mean, after I mean, you poll everybody in the NBA media after they traded Russell Westbrook, say the Thunder are making the playoffs. What is it like? 80-20, No. Probably even greater than that because I mean, you guys basically made fun of Jay. Poor Jay. That was his like bold did, prediction that they were going to make, make fun the playoffs. of Jay. Yeah. It seemed laughable at the time. So I th- I think he's in. I think he's been that important to a what's been a very good team over the last two months. And did you look at the January schedule? Like I hadn't really stepped back and looked at it. I was I had a couple of tweets about it yesterday, but they had n- they didn't have two consecutive days off. They haven't had two consecutive days off since December. That yeah, that, that was surprising. I, I did not know that until you put up that schedule. I mean, they had a back-to-back almost every week of the month, which is crazy. And when you factor in travel days as well, like even some of those off days aren't necessarily yeah. like days of relaxation. Ten of those so- 17 were on the road. It's going to be rough. I mean, that's why February is going to be so nice. You get the all-star break on its own, and then they don't have that many games in general. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody tweeted at me because they have 10 games in February. They had 17 in January. Someone's like, well, it's a shorter month. It's like a shorter month by two days. Like the all-star <laughs> game is really the, is the real reason, but still they have fewer, you know, on average than that even because it's not even a full week that they get that they have off uh, right. for the All-Star break. So don't give me the you, short month thing. It's not that who short. Who do you think needs the uh, rest the most? Is it obviously Steven Adams? It's obviously Steven. And I, yeah. I, he's not on the injury report, so I guess he'll play tonight. But, dude, him walking out. He didn't talk to the media after the game. Uh, but he, he <laughs> so bad. It looked really bad. He was limping so hard. Um, and maybe he'll feel feel better after rest, at least for a day, you know, because he had just gotten off the court. Um, but still, he's he is going through something, and Billy said as much after the game that he's still going through um, that sprained ankle, trying to work that out. So, uh, so my locks, three of the four, are same as you: Gobert, Jokic, Dame, and then I went Donovan Mitchell. First of all, I just want to say how Dame is a lock because, you know, you compare his team record to some of these other teams like the Suns or the Pelicans, and it's not like the Blazers have been that much better mm-hmm. than those teams. But when you actually put all of these players and just compare them on basketball reference, Dame is so far and away the obviously best player, like having the best season yeah. stats-wise. Like every single stat category – especially like when you get to the advanced stats, like Dame is far and away the best player of mm-hmm. all these guards, Yeah, at least for this season. Um, so yeah, so he's like an easy lock, even though he's not on a great team. And then I went Donovan Mitchell, which I would say is as much about the team itself as it is about Mitchell. Um, I just think the Jazz deserve a second player. And so I didn't think I was going to choose someone over him. And that's why I ended up putting him as a lock. Well, when Conley went out, too, and he took over at point guard, the team just took off. Yeah. They had one of their classic jazz runs. Yeah. And then, so th- so we both have four locks, so that means we each have three slots left. I will tell you that one of mine was Chris Paul. Mm-hmm. So we share that. So who are your three? I have the same three. I was debating my last spot, whether to give it to Booker or not. Um but Ingram, Mitchell, and Booker is who I gave it to. Booker's just been – he's been so good for them. And so, like, who I'm debating between is probably Booker and Westbrook is what it came down to. Because I was looking <clears> – <throat> excuse me. I was looking at Towns, and we talked about him earlier, that it's just hard to make a case. And then also Paul George. But Paul George has played 26 games. He's – like barely played half the games for the Clippers. And I don't like when you look back at this season, I just don't really have like many memories of Paul George at all. You know, it's just a weird, right. it's just been a weird season 
where you know that the Clippers are in this holding pattern until the playoffs and just hoping that their players are healthy come playoff time. And it's just, it's just been, it's been an odd season for them where you know that they're great, where you're in fact probably picking them as the favorite to win the title, but we haven't really seen them. And we're over half, I mean, we're over halfway now through the season and we still really haven't seen the Clippers for a decent stretch. Do you know uh, when you're choosing reserves, there is some rules, right, about like you have to have a certain number of bigs and – is that right? I, th- I think so. Do we not have enough? Is Ingram a no, big? Well, I was just going to say like my like last choice came down to Ingram or Westbrook, but I don't even know if I can have that choice because like oh. if I need another forward. Yeah. Um. Like I was telling you before we started recording, I went into this like convinced I was going to choose Russ. <coughs> I wanted to choose Russ because mm-hmm. I feel like he's made a significant change to his game. Mm-hmm. I mean, over his last five games, he's taken two three-pointers, which is amazing. Yeah, that's crazy. And if you look at the on-off stats, like once you get to December, all of a sudden they start looking a lot better. Mm-hmm. And he has been really good since the beginning of December. And so that's two full months that he's been great. He did not have a good first month. And I think a lot of the conversation, especially like when Howard Beck and Zach Lowe were choosing their all-stars like a month ago. I mean, that felt like forever ago. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that was a more convincing argument, but I do think it's changed in these last 15 games. And I do think that matters. And so I think I could make a convincing argument for Russell Westbrook, not based on stats so much because that's the issue when you get into it and you start comparing him to Booker specifically um, Booker has just become a, a lot better player. Like even he's even gotten better from where he was last year. Mm-hmm. And the the story about Booker is more about how he's become a better team player. Now that they have Ricky Rubio there, but he's still putting up amazing stats and in many cases has exceeded himself from last year. So I ended up not putting Russ in, but I kind of think he's going to make it. Yeah, I think I, that he very well. Could. I think Russ is going to make it over one or both of Booker and Ingram, and I actually think Paul George is going to make it too. So if I had to guess, I would say Chris Paul, Russell Westbrook, and Paul George all make it. That would be like my actual guess. Mm-hmm. It'd be kind of a, I don't know, if Paul George makes it, man, that's kind of lame. But how many games did Steph play that one year? Wasn't he out a bunch and then he got picked? Or was that for something? That might have been for something else. I don't know. Um, yeah, it'd be interesting to look at what are the fewest. I guess a lot of times when guys get voted in with not many games, they're getting voted in as starters as mm-hmm. opposed to getting picked by the coaches. I don't know. I still think Russ has a great shot, though, because he does yeah. have the pedigree. He's obviously been an all-star a ton of times. I think he's an eight-time all-star. And everyone seems to like him. Everyone's, everyone? Nope. <laughs> that's, that's never been the reason to choose him for something. Everyone no, no one's ever had like, a bad thing to say about him. So I think for that reason, man, we'll get it. Booker, Booker's true shooting percentage is 11 points higher than Russell Westbrook's. Oh, Andrew, we can't do it to Russ. Don't do it to Isn't Russ. Isn't that wild? That's, I mean, that's crazy. 52 to 63. Yes, but over this recent stretch, which goes back to December 1st, Westbrook's true shooting percentage is like 57%, which is awesome for him. Yeah. But if you take out the bad and leave the good, it's good. Exactly. That's what I'm trying to say. (laughs) That's always been the case with Russ. Take out the bad. Look at the good. Check it out. It's good. (laughs) Do you, do you think that uh, – because this is something I – I'm starting to buy into this new version of Russ. And do you think I'm being an idiot? Yes. And that this is just same old Russ. Yes. He's going to revert back to shooting a ton of threes again. Yes, yes I do. You do? I, there's no track record for Russell Westbrook changing for like a, ha, even a half season. But there's also no track record for him shooting this few threes over – this period of time since he was like, is it like the 2011 season? 
Yeah. You could also argue that their record is just not stellar when he takes that few of threes. What? No, that's a lie. Is it not? Is it? Did it improve? The no, first, their record when he takes... Uh, I have to remember. Okay, well, I'm talking about just like these last like several games. I'm not talking about like over the course of the season. No, I'm saying like over the course of the season, I think right now it's like 15 and three. Yeah. Well, he takes three oh, they've or only fewer. lost three? They must have what? been... They must have... The, the one I'm thinking about must have just been the recent games. Because there were a few games well, where he... Maybe I'm, he had, maybe I'm just th- being I mean, completely stupid. They had the one game where uh, Harden was out. Mm-hmm. And he played a really nice game, but they ended up losing. Right. Um, and then he lost to OKC in LA. So well, I'm thinking true. about their recent stretch. They're four and six in their last 10. That is true. That is true. And that's a part of that's That's what I'm thinking about. Like during this, because I really, the, the threes thing has really been a very recent thing, you know, where he's not taking hardly any. Right. And their record is not has not been great as a part of that. And so I don't I just wonder if Russell thinks like, oh, I gotta get back to my old ways when I was winning. Oh no, but he's playing so well. He is. He's playing well. He's playing well. The Thunder are two games back of them currently. Yeah. <laughs> the Mavericks uh, they had a bad loss. So that was nice for us. Yeah. They got yeah. shellacked by the Suns. They did. Which feels strange. Um, but again, Devin, uh, the, old, Devin Booker, the only other guy I was going to mention was yeah. uh, Montrez Harrell. I, yeah. I, I, I had about, I gave him uh, 90 seconds of my time <laughs> thinking about whether he deserved to be an all-star. Because, Andrew, listen to this. So this is uh, ESPN RPM. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going down the list. I know it's not a ranking, but I'm going down the list, <laughs> only listing off people that play at least 30 minutes, okay? Okay. Stop me when we get – actually, I'm going to skip one, but stop me when we get to someone you wouldn't consider an all-star. Okay. LeBron James, Giannis, Kawhi, James Harden, Jason Tatum, which we talked about. Yeah. Uh, Jokic, Rudy Gobert, Chris Paul, Jimmy Butler, Ben Simmons, Pascal Siakam, Damian Lillard, Luka Doncic, like it's really good. Demonis Sabonis. Who did you skip? Donovan Mitchell. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> Bojan Bogdanovic. That's where I get to someone who's like yeah, probably not, not an all-star. Not an all-star. But Definitely the one guy I skipped was Dennis Schroeder. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> who is number six overall. Again, not a ranking, but he was number six overall. Six? Yeah, wow. in the entire league. Right nestled between Jason Tatum and uh, Nikola Jokic. Man, wave and stretch. We haven't stretched mellow instead, please. He's wow. been awesome. Wow. But that made me feel a little bit better about RPM. Just the fact that I was able to just basically go down the list. I could yeah. have just done that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's what we want RPM. from all these stats, right, Andrew? We don't have to talk anymore. <laughs> we can just present a list of numbers. <laughs> just, just, have a, just have a robot read. That, that's the new podcast. <laughs> RPM ranking for this week. That'd be so cool if we had like a Saturday stats podcast for Down to Dunk and it was just the computer voice <laughs> reading off <laughs> tables of numbers. <laughs> this is very, very entertaining stuff. If you were to guess on average how many days people in the U.S. have to wait to see a doctor, what would you say? A week, maybe? Actually, on average, people have to wait around 29 days to see a doctor in major U.S. cities. Basically, a month. If you're dealing with a condition like erectile dysfunction, you want to treat that ASAP. That's why our friends at Roman have spent years building a digital platform that can connect you with a doctor licensed in your state, all from the comfort of your home. Roman makes it convenient to get your treatment that you need on your schedule. Just grab your phone or computer, complete a free online visit, and you'll hear back from a U.S. licensed physician within 24 hours. If the doctor decides that treatment is right for you, Roman's Pharmacy can ship your medication to you with free two-day shipping. You also get free unlimited follow-ups with your doctor anytime that you have questions or you just want to adjust your treatment plan. With Roman, there are no commitments and you can cancel anytime. So if you struggle with ED, go to getroman.com forward slash down to dunk for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. 
That's getroman.com forward slash down to dunk for a free online visit and free two day shipping. Uh, uh, so can I can I talk about some other stuff or do you have something you want to talk about? No, let's talk about some other stuff. Okay, the first thing. So KOC, Kevin O'Connor mm-hmm. of The Ringer, he was on his podcast with Chris Vernon. And he was just talking about the idea of a Gallinari for Al Horford trade, which he ended up saying, like, I don't see any reason why OKC would ever do this. But as a detail of his discussion, there was something really interesting, which is, you know, we got all these picks. And ever since we've gotten these picks from the Paul George and Russell Westbrook trades, we've been talking about the two main ways you can use them, which is you can either use them on actual human beings and uh, bring them in through the draft, or you can package them together and trade for a star. Mm -hmm. Let's say a Carl Anthony Towns, who's very upset right now. He's very upset. But one of the things you need, if you're going to do that most times, is you need big contracts to send out. Mm -hmm. And so KOC just brought up this idea of one of the potential benefits of a Gallinari-Horford trade for OKC is that you do bring in a large contract that in a couple of years when you want to make a move like that is very tradable because as it stands, if OKC goes forward, they're not really going to have any big contracts that they want to trade. Yeah. And so it might be nice just to have a big contract laying around in case you wanted to make a trade like that. And I hadn't really thought about that point. And it's just, it's kind of interesting because if we want to make a trade like that, like a Carl Anthony challenge trade, you're going to need Big contracts, and and they could just sign, you know, random guys to big deals, mm-hmm. like big one-year deals if they want to. So it's not like I'm saying you have to make this Horford trade. Um, it's more about the idea of, like, we're eventually going to need some big contracts, which is something I just hadn't thought of. Yeah, and they will likely have big cap space too, though. Big. So you don't necessarily have to match in that case. You would have to have big cap space though, right? Yeah, I mean, I think they will. Like 30 mil. Well, I mean, if you have if you have a guy that's making fifteen million or whatever, because Towns makes twenty seven, so if you have a guy that makes yeah. fifteen, like you can get there. But yeah, it's an interesting idea. I'm not. I'm. I'm still not convinced that the Thunder will go that route. Um, I, I don't know. Even know that it makes total sense for them to to do that. But and so that leads into the uh, the dunked on mock trade deadline which uh, part one came out on Monday, and I don't know if part two is up yet. But uh, there were two deals in the first episode involving OKC. However, the first one was not completed. Mm -hmm. So you can't get mad at it, Andrew. I saw you getting mad at it on Twitter. I didn't know. I just uh, saw somebody's tweet that they they had that trade. It just seems stupid. You need all the information. So the trade was between OKC and Atlanta. They traded Steven Adams and got back OKC's first that we sent out in the mellow trade. That they're probably going to get anyways. Why would? So, why is that okay, a deal? So that's the reason why they declined it. You got to relax. That is, I mean, just to even propose it, like, oh, let me send you a sweetener. It's your own pick that you are probably getting anyways. Wow. Well, you are probably getting it, but we don't know, Andrew. That's only two years away. That's Chris Paul's final year. It's possible that they are not in the lottery that year. <laughs> I I would be flabbergasted if they are not in the lottery that year. Really? You'd be flabbergasted? Completely flabbergasted, yes. Your flabber would be all gasted. It would be gasted. Well, you didn't let me finish the deal. They also <laughs> <Sorry>. got <laughs> 2026 Golden State second rounder. Oh, okay. goody! Evan Turner and Alex Lynn. <laughs> What? So anyways, what what part of that could even be appealing? Like, how long did they talk about this? Did he like immediately nix it, or was this like a long discussion? No, it took him a while to come to the conclusion. Oh, which this is the conclusion of, of this trade. How could what spin on that could you even possibly say is good for the Thunder? What spin? Well, no, he eventually got to the point where he was like, "Well, hold on." So this. Really, I'm just doing this to get off of Adams' money next year. Like, there's no other real reason to do it. So it's essentially like a cat move, but, like, such a dramatic cat move. You don't really need to do this. And so eventually Danny LaRue pulled out. 
He said, no, thank you. Wow. So you I'm don't have to get mad. Hey. Glad he finally got Pre- there. Presti's throwing out goofy trades. You can't hate on them. Corey Go- throws out goofy trades. Goofy. Like, that's of- not even goofy. That's just dumb. Well, there was another trade. Let me see what you think about this one. Okay. This was a four-team trade. Oh, no. So I'm, I'm going to try to make it. So this is possible. really going to happen. This is just like the trade deadline. <laughs> wow. <laughs> You're going to love this one, though, because it gets Robert Covington to the Houston Rockets. Okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Robert three other Covington. teams are going to help Covington get to the Rockets. Okay. All right. Go ahead. Okay. Actually, that, that comes to my biggest criticism. But OKC gets uh, Nene Hilario. And Vincent Poirier. Who? Vincent Poirier. <laughs> Actually, I, you know what? I, I wrote a note to myself to look up that person because I had never heard of him before. But I'm pretty sure it is Vincent. Did they make him up? Yes, Vincent Poirier. He's a French professional basketball player. And he's seven foot. There he is. He's big. <laughs> he was drafted in 2015. What else do you want to know about him? Anyways, we're, we got him. Okay. <laughs> He's playing for a team called Basconia right now. Okay. Anyways, we get Nene and Vincent Poirier. Houston gets Robert Covington and Daniel Tice. Boston <laughs> gets Clint Capella. Okay. Okay. And then Minnesota gets Andre Robertson, 2020 Houston first, 2022 Houston first. I did not know they could trade both of those. Top four, 2020 Bucks first, so they get three first round picks for Covington. I know, isn't that crazy? But the reason they ended up doing it this way is because Boston had to give up something, and they weren't just going to be able to trade Daniel Tice for Clint Capella. And then from Houston's perspective, this deal actually would get them under the tax, which is very funny. But they thought that uh, Tillman Fertitta would like that enough that he'd be willing to go to first. <coughs> but, but yes, as you brought up at the very beginning, you already sniffed it out, Andrew, before I could even say it. Why would OKC, who owns two of Houston's future picks, help them in any way to get someone like Robert Covington? Because they get Robert Covington and they have this core locked up for the next couple years. That's not good for us. We yeah. don't like that. Doesn't benefit well, us at all. And well, there's there's no benefit to the Thunder being in that trade, anyways. Well, the only benefit is to get under the tax. That's the only okay. let's, good thing. That let's does. talk. Let's talk about that real quick. The Thunder aren't going to help another team like that. the The benefit of getting under the tax, quote unquote, getting under the tax, is not big enough for the Thunder. One, they're so they're just barely over the tax line right now. Like there, it's not that it it doesn't matter that much to where you're like, okay, I guess we'll help out Houston get this get their guy if we can just get under the tax. That's not no 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 no. I think the Thunder would like to get under the tax, but they're not just gonna trade away guys and then bring in to get Vincent Poirier to get <laughs> under the tax. I mean that's just it's stupid. It's absolutely stupid if they can get into the tax great they will try to but to me that's not priority number one two or three i think that it's down the list i think they plan to be in the tax this year i think that they're i mean if you look at the overall budget like they have a budget that they that they throw out for years beyond and this year where they were so this was supposed to be a very 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 expensive team they're not they're not an expensive team they'll likely get into the tax but not at the expense of helping another team get a lot better. I really just, I just don't see that happening. Uh, if they want, they can go trade one of their lower salary guys um, to get under the tax, but I just don't, I just don't see it. I just don't see that kind of trade benefiting the Thunder that much. And they, they I know the Dunk Dunk guys really care about getting under the tax. I think they care about it a lot more than the Thunder do. <laughs> they, they do a lot because at the end of it, one of them said, and so OKC's happy with this? And I think Danny was OKC, and he was like, oh, yeah, this is great. Yeah, that, it, is not, it, is not, it is not that way. <laughs> just, just be aware. Like, it, is, it is not that cut and dry. The Thunder are going to be out of the tax for the foreseeable future. 
until they're really ready to go for it again. They will be under the tax. So you don't have to worry about repeater tax implications. Like all of that is going away. That will go away. They're not going to be over the tax when they're tanking. This team, even if they have to go even above the tax further to make this team just a little bit better or to get another asset, they'll do it. It's not about over under the tax. It's about setting this team up for future success. And the tax really has nothing to do with that. It has nothing to do with it at this point. If they could get another future asset and put themselves like $2 million over the tax, I think they'd do it. But then they won't win the dunked on clean cap award. <laughs> I know. It's just, it's, it's not, it's, teams don't think of the tax in that cut and dry way. That's just not the way they think about it. <laughs> unless you're the Rockets. Unless you're the, unless you're Tillman Fertitta. Unless you're Tillman uh, Fertitta. Poor Maury, poor Maury. He's got to get out of there. He does have to get out of there. Uh, so, Obviously, you didn't like either of those trades. What's to like? <laughs> Are there any trades, OKC or otherwise, rumors, whatever, uh, dreams? Was that, that the only? Heard? That was the only stuff that they talked about on there. Well, those those were the only two OKC ones. Okay. Were there any other interesting ones? Uh, no. I, I mean, their their little role-playing exercise I actually think was a good reflection of the current state of the trade market because there's just not a lot of reason or incentive for a lot of these teams to make trades like mm -hmm. for the big pieces like Andre Drummond Kevin Love um, Gallo like Gallo came up a bunch but like it just didn't make sense for OKC like based on what other teams were offering yeah and so a, a lot of those big deals like didn't really happen mm -hmm. which I think is could be the case like in the, these next couple of weeks that so we don't really see any big moves. Yeah. Yeah. I think that could, that definitely could be the case. I still think like we talked about Robertson deals. I think like a Robertson deal for a Tony Snell that would increase their tax bill a little bit where you have Snell for this year and for next. And then you could either keep Tony Snell who can shoot the basketball or you can, you know, deal him to a, a team that might be able to use him better if Chris Paul's not on the team anymore, you know? Um, what, were, what were we giving Detroit in that scenario? An expiring contract. That's it. Okay. Yeah, Robertson expires. Snell doesn't. And then the Pistons are going nowhere. Like, if the Pistons were battling for, for a playoff spot, like, it makes no sense. But if they're just going to be in the lottery... Yeah. You know, it just doesn't, to me, it just doesn't make a ton of sense for them. So. Can they not get something more, though, for Tony Snell? I mean, you know, listening to this podcast, all they're talking about is how all these teams just want a wing. Like, just give me a functional wing. I can play basketball. I mean, maybe. I mean, you want a second round pick? Like, what do you want? You're not getting a first rounder for Tony Snell. I know, I know, I know. But uh, it, it's like them getting cap space. Like, if they're not going to re-sign Andre Drummond, Reggie Jackson's coming off the books. Like, is another $10 million really going to make a huge difference in Detroit? It's Who are just, they bringing in? It's just flexibility is all it is. Now, the one thing, I know we're almost done, but the one thing I was thinking about with that uh, Adams trade, which we hated, but still... If something like that did happen and they yeah. did have cap space this summer, mm -hmm. were there any like low key free agents? Because we know this isn't a great free agent class. Yeah. But are there any just like young guys who are kind of coming to the end of a contract, maybe aren't going to get re-signed? Re Is there anything coming up? Do you um, know? I, not that I'm aware of. Um, I, <laughs> I mean, the best free agent the Thunder have ever signed at the time that everybody thought it was awesome was Patrick Patterson. So I'm just not, um, mm, not a believer. <laughs> I'm not convinced that the free agency and the Thunder are a thing, but it would be a good year to like, because there's not going to be a lot of competition. If you did have space just to get some guy, any guy on some kind of deal, you know, like yeah. Bryn Forbes, he, he does yeah. have, bird rights and but he's going to be an unrestricted free agent yeah 
Just get some shooting in here. <laughs> I just I I don't think this team is going to be so concerned about getting shooting in here next season. Oh, but yeah, clearly. <laughs> just, do you think they'll ever care about it? I do think that they will care about it, but I'm not convinced that next season will be the season that they're gunning for Brent Forbes. Corkmas. Working <laughs> Cork. He's he's interesting. He's been good for the Sixers. I I'll bet he'll stay. Yeah, he probably will. Oh, what about the Tolly man? <laughs> your your guy? Anthony Tolliver, yeah. <laughs> hey, we can bring Patrick Patterson back. I'm just looking through some names. Yeah. You want to get Josh Jackson? I mean, why not? Why not? Also, why? Okay, sure. <laughs> but on the flip side, why not? <laughs> What is what is the, what do they do with Chris Dunn as a restricted free agent? I don't know. I, I forget what podcast I was listening to. Um, they were oh, you know what it was? God, I feel like I'm doing way too much uh, dunked on love today. I'm really embarrassed. <laughs> well, let me hate on them for a second. When I was choosing podcasts to listen to for like remembering Kobe Bryant, yeah, did not go to dunked on. <laughs> My first thought when Kobe Bryant died was not, I want to hear what Nate Duncan and Daniel LaRue have to say about this. You know what? They okay. are the closest thing to a recording of just stats being listed <laughs> that exists. So we could beat them. There's that You're saying there's an untapped market. They haven't That's taken right. it to its natural conclusion. That's right. Uh, but I was listening to their best young cores in the NBA hmm. podcast. They ranked the best young cores. So it had to be players under the age or 25 or younger. Which uh, so like Jeremy Grant was still counted. Crazy that he's only twenty five. Okay. But uh, they ranked all the NBA young cores, and I actually thought it was pretty instructive as a Thunder fan to realize how far away this team really is. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. we, we were like nowhere near the top. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know we I know we like our guys. Like we say nice things about Lugan Stort. They've really got one guy. Exactly. <laughs> we have one guy that anyone cares about. Yeah. And so it was. It was instructive for that reason. Mm-hmm. Um, I forgot. I forgot why I was even bringing this up. You were talking about. Ooh. We were talking about Chris Dunn. Oh, Chris Dunn. Well, they were talking about the Bulls, who have like a ton of young guys, mm-hmm. all under the age of twenty-five. They have a young core, and yet they were like way down their list because it's like, who do I like really care about? Mm-hmm. And and I think they they were still probably like top half of the league in terms of young core. But I mean, they better be the top half of the league. Yeah, like they should be really high. Yeah. Um, but I did think it was a good conversation because there is this question of like when you're thinking about young cores, do you care about depth or do you just care about top end talent? So like Nate Duncan, he had his top two were the Sixers and Dallas, mm-hmm. who like if you look at their young core, you know, in Philly, it's just Embiid and Simmons, really. And in Dallas, it's just Luca. But he values having those guys so much more, whereas Danny had Denver really high, mostly because of depth. Yeah. Like, Because you can just name off like an entire roster of guys under the age of 25 on Denver. Um, but, you know, outside of Jokic, it's like, who do they really have? Like, we kind of like Jamal Murray. Yeah. But, Jamal Murray. but he's not at that level. Like, we kind of yeah. like Michael Porter Jr., but we still don't really know. Mm-hmm. Um so anyways, OKC was kind of far down, and that made me uh, a little sad. But at the same time, it was, you know, realistic. It kind of got me back in tank mode briefly, you know. I haven't been there in a few months. Right. I started thinking about that a little bit more. And then Houston was dead last, and so it was a great capper to the episode. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, do they, do they have, who under 25 is on their team? Isaiah Hartenstein. Oh, yeah. And maybe Daniel House. House is younger than 25. I thought, but maybe not. Maybe he just entered the league late. Huh. Yeah, that's yeah, that's that is interesting. Yeah, the Thunder have a long way to go. I mean, when they start they do. this, when they start this rebuild, because I mean they haven't started the rebuild. If you're not aware, when they start the rebuild, yeah, house is 26. Doesn't even count. Um, when they start the rebuild, they, they've got a long way to go as far as gathering talent. I mean, it's really it's Shea. And it's Bays, and I like oh, and 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 Lou Dort. Thank you. 
those are the guys, right? That's who you have moving forward. You'll have, we'll see if the Thunder get their draft pick for this year. Uh, there's a chance that they don't get it, which seems very strange. Uh, but they they may not get their draft pick, but they'll at least have one pick in this next draft, and they'll we'll get to see if maybe that turns into somebody. But they still have a long way to go to build this team back up, and that's it's nice that they have a ton of picks to do that. So that's that was Sam's plan from the beginning. I don't think that this team has altered that plan that much. They're really they've been really good, but I don't think that they're that you can look at this team and say okay. Let's keep this core together. Let's build around them. Let's let's go for it. You know, you're not the, the Thunder want to win the title. They want to be NBA champions. They want to bring the Larry O'Brien Trophy to Oklahoma City. If that's your goal, if that's your goal, is this the team that you keep and build around? I think you can all answer that question. To yourselves. To yourselves, not not to anybody. <laughs> not, on Twitter. not to anybody but yourselves. Don't talk to me about it. I really don't want to talk to you about it. <laughs> uh, but because I, I have seen some Thunder fans who are like, you know, I, this is like um, you know two months ago when we were on Tank Train, but mm-hmm. they're like, what if they're too good? Like these, what if all these young guys start popping? Like we, I like Hami. I like you know every everyone else. And I think there's an illusion of depth. And that happens to like every team because you get to know these players. And so you want to think about them in their best light. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes it's helpful to listen to how other people think about these other players. Like the fact that listening to dunked on the only other player they mentioned other than SGA, I think was uh Baisley and Dort. They actually brought up Dort. Wow. But they didn't even mention like Hami or uh, Ferguson, you know? Yeah. Whereas, like, we think about these players like, oh, if they could just do this, if they could just become this type of player, become mm-hmm. a little bit more consistent, they could get there. And mm-hmm. that could still happen. You know, I bet one of these five non-Shea guys is going to pop and stay on the team long term. But I, I don't really know who it is. And yeah. I feel like my choice changes, like, by the week. <laughs> like, right now, I'm all in on Dort. Yeah. I mean, he's obviously going to be a future starter next to Shea. He's going to be our defensive hammer. He's but that's he's probably fun. going to change in another week. Yeah, I think that it's. I think those three are probably the three that stick around. Yeah, Hami's got a way to a ways to go. Um, Ferguson still no like confirmation on what's going on with him. He's out again tonight. Um, it's just I mean, it's getting getting a little little strange that he's out for this long with personal reasons. But um, I think the Thunder are good about giving guys space for stuff like that uh, and allowing them to do what they need to do. But it um, just continues to be a little a little odd. But I hope that he's okay and that his family's okay or whatever's going on with him. So, yeah, I think that, I think that, that is a good thought because I think a lot of people also think is SGA going to be too good for this team to tank? And he played his first game without Chris Paul the other night. And, you know, that Dallas team is good. They're not a great team, but they're a good team. And the Thunder desperately missed Chris Paul in that that game. Uh, For game flow reasons, for, I think, coaching on the floor reasons, I think they were just a lot that you miss Chris Paul. And I even asked Billy about it after the game and Billy like, kind of got irritated with the question. I felt like, um, asked like, you know, I know you miss Chris on the floor as a player, but you're also missing him as kind of a, a coach on the floor for the young guys. Cause you play a lot of young guys and he's <clears throat> he kind of scoffed at that a little bit. Um, but I think he doesn't want you. You're, you're stealing votes from his coach of the year candidacy. I know if people start believing that CP3 is the reason. I know, man. He did not like that. He did not like that. Yeah, we talk about this team not being young, but I mean, Nerlens is 25 still, which is, he is. A, which is a little Shout bit out. wild. Um, they have a lot. They have a lot of young guys on the team. I mean, they only have two guys that are over 30 on the team altogether. Um, but still like guys under 25 that you're like, this guy is for sure an NBA rotation player for the next 10 years. 
I mean, there's not a lot of those. Like under 25, like Devin Hall was on the team. Nope. Kevin Hervey. Nope. Justin Patton was on the team. Nope. Not that. Shea, yes. Hami, maybe. I think Ferg could be a rotation player for the next 10 years in the league. Maybe not with the Thunder, but like a, a little Jeremy Lamb-esque, you know, where he moves on. He plays well for other teams. I think that that could be the track that Ferg is on. Uh, Dort has been really good in his 13 games. It's still 13 games. And then Baisley, I think that he's he's got a spot in the league just because he's got enough talent. You know, whether he harnesses that in the right way and can play in the right way, I don't know. But I don't know, like guys like Anthony Randolph that have like similar builds just stuck around for a long time just because they had potential. So I think Baisley will at the very least be that. Yeah. <coughs> All right. Who do, we, who do we play tonight? Play Sacramento. The... Oh, the Kings. Yep. I haven't watched the Kings at all this season. They play the Kings tonight, and then they play Phoenix on the 31st. And then they have a long break. They have four days off, which is the first four-day stretch they've had off in forever. Trade deadline update. It is on. A week from tomorrow. Six. Oh, well. Next Thursday. Yeah, so we'll have one more Wednesday show before the trade deadline. And there will be so many juicy... I bet there will be some trades by then. Could be some juicy trades, at least some rumors. But it just feels more and more likely that the Thunder aren't going to do a whole lot. Which, which is fun. Which is ex- fun. Which is exciting. Like, it's, it's ex- like Trades are exciting, and they're fun to cover. But... I believe there will be plenty of those in the summer for OKC because that will be the vehicle in which good teams get better this summer is through trade. And the Thunder. And we don't have to talk about cards. this trash draft. The, yes. <laughs> we'll talk about it some. There'll be some hidden gems. There'll be some gems. Maybe the Thunder will get a, a nice little gem in this draft. Maybe. I don't know. We'll see. I don't know who they are. But we'll we'll find out. Uh, thanks for listening to our podcast. You can follow Alex on Twitter at Al Baby Cakes. You can follow me on Twitter at Andrew K Schlecht. Follow our podcast at Down to Dunk. Make sure that you are subscribed to the Athletic. Go to theathletic.com and subscribe, and you can find all of the best content in sports. We've got the Super Bowl coming up. Um, you have continued NBA basketball from all the best writers. So make sure that you're subscribed. Hope you guys have a great day. And we'll talk to you guys again on Friday. Super Bowl week, Kavitha. Yeah, man. I mean, Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs just went off during these playoffs. And that Niners defense is just stout. Right. And the one guy everyone will be watching closely is the dude who torched the souls of Packers fans and basically gave Jimmy Garoppolo the day off. Mostert, left side. Another first down carry and more. How about a touchdown? His fourth touchdown of the ball game. Raheem Mostert ran for 220 yards and four touchdowns against Green Bay. This is a guy who was cut by six different NFL teams and who, before the season, was mostly seen as a special teams player. And so today, we're going to speak with The Athletic's Tim Kawakami, who has been covering the 49ers for years, about how much of a surprise Mostert's performance really was, if he was a one-game wonder, and how surfing has influenced the way he runs. The wave hits and then he's gone. It's a very interesting kind of combination of a surfer running back. From Wondery and The Athletic, I'm Anders Kelto. And I'm Kavitha Davidson. This is The Lead. It felt like something great was happening. There was just something about the emotion and that moment.
news of the past don't matter because we've got this guy. Are you this isn't a story where you interview the athlete and go home. It stays with you. So, Tim, Raheem Mostert's performance against the Packers was truly historic. What was his reaction after the game? Uh, it was like, you know, yay, Raheem, did you know that was one of the greatest games a running back ever had in the NFC Championship game? No, I did not, actually. And truthfully, for you to even say that right now is like, I, I'm still shocked. Like, I can't believe that. That's the kind of guy he is, the kind of guy a lot of these players are, but especially Raheem had been bouncing around from lead, from team to team, really wasn't thought of as a running back until the 49ers just started plugging him in there, and he just never had a bad run. He just never went for less than five yards, so you might as well just keep giving it to him. Somehow the handoff into the arms of Mostert. He's gone. Touchdown, San Francisco. You know, just he still acts like a journeyman. He acts like a guy who was a special teams player who isn't going to be a featured back while he's putting up some of the you know mega numbers in the playoffs. They, they all treat themselves and they look at the world like they're a bunch of journeymen. It's, it's very, very refreshing. Uh, and I think it is a large part of how they've kind of coalesced together. They all, nobody's bigger than anybody else in that locker room. Even the guy who goes for 200 whatever yards in the NFC Championship game. He's a surfer, right? He is a surfer. First of all, you got no wetsuit on. You're just straight trunks. You ride longboard, shortboard. You've been to Mavericks yet? Like, like, walk us through the surfing and when you started and how you got into that. You know, I started uh, surfing when I was about 13 or 14, and uh, you know, it's just been a big hit for me, uh, going out there on the waves and riding the waves like you see in this video, man. Um, just enjoying the, the the atmosphere and the water, and I, I want to go to Mavericks. So you know, almost got a surfing contract from Billabong. He's, you know, Florida waves. So out here in California, we're not sure what that is, but uh, <laughs> I guess they get waves out there. And he certainly he runs like a surfer. Mostert in the backfield, he gets it. Samuel out in front. Touchdown kind of feels the crest. He kind of like glides towards to where the hole is and then catches the next wave and there he's gone. And guys don't expect him to get past him and they get past him. It's not like a classic running back. He's not like Walter Payton juking, juking, juking. He's kind of kind of filling the moment, feeling where it is. The wave hits and then he's gone. It's a very interesting kind of combination of a surfer running back. And uh, do you think he's been enjoying his time in the spotlight here? <laughs> yes, I think he has. He understands what it's like not to be any part of this, to be a, such an afterthought to your cut by five teams. He understands that, you know, a world where he's not a star. He's lived in that world. So he's going to enjoy it a little bit. Again, I don't think he's seeking out crazy fame, but these guys are all kind of enjoying it. Right now, they're all kind of like, this is pretty good. This is pretty good right now. And so, Tim, Mostert's performance seemed to come out of nowhere. But did you foresee this? You know, I don't think you ever foresee a guy going for 200 plus and then NFC Championship game unless he's, you know, top, top pick. He certainly wasn't. But he's been impressive. Every time he's carried the ball, he's been impressive. He's been a star special teamer. So you knew he had some skills, but you saw something building there. And you sometimes running backs just come out of nowhere. You just, the Shanahans are famous for that. Pulling some guy out of the fifth round, he runs for a thousand yards. Mostert is in that category. They've tapped into something with him. Kyle Shanahan recognized it. So he's been good for most of the season. Well, Tim, thanks for joining us. And it'll be interesting to see if Mostert and the 49ers can pull it off on Sunday. All right. I'll see you. Talk to you later. 